remember I moved into this house and I opened up a closet and there's all these giant, uh, what do you call them, growlers. You thought it was, thought it was a meth lab or something? Kind of. <laughs> Welcome to San Diego Flight Club Happy Hour. This is the podcast for the everyday beer drinker here in San Diego. We'd like to invite you to join us as we explore San Diego and discover new breweries and craft new experiences. We're here today with George Ricoy, Maricali, and myself, Marco Castillo. Uh, you guys want to go ahead and say hi to everybody? Hi, everyone. Good evening. <laughs> it's not even that dark, man. Well, <laughs> just cloudy. It's almost seven. So May, it's, gray, June gloom. Yeah, it's like June Gloom. June Gloom. Uh, all right, so today, guys, we are here at Border X in uh, beautiful Logan Heights. The official launching pad of our club. Yes, the official launching pad Sorry. to our club. Uh, we had our first event here, George. What was it, like three months ago? Uh, I don't know about three months ago. It was was it March 31st, so maybe two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Well, we had a lot of fun. I think that night we had some 70-some-odd people join us. Yep. Um, we had a great time. We got to meet uh, the owner, David, and uh, had a lot nice. of uh, a lot of our mutual friends actually come and, and meet each other. Yep, it was nice. It was actually uh, a pretty well executed event for our official launch, which I I think I, I was pretty happy when I left that night. It was awesome. Yeah, I walked away with a couple of new friends and uh, met some new people. Uh, got a couple of business cards. I think it was overall a great success. Yep. Great success. <laughs> Thanks, money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, well, George, why don't you tell us a little bit about Flight Club? Tell, tell, tell the audience, what is Flight Club? Oh, man, what are we really? all about? You're gonna, well, I'm just going to read it off this flyer here. Uh, yeah, we, we got a teleprompter here. <laughs> it's sort of. It, we're, we're basically a um, beer social club, um, San Diego Flight Club. We're basically just a bunch of normal beer drinkers that like to explore and discover new breweries, but at the same time create a um, common experience with fellow beer drinkers and such but um you know we're we're basically just your your average joes in a sense uh, we both all of us here love to drink beer in a sense and it's uh, obviously a, a very uh unique thing that san diego provides because it's the number one county in the united states with uh, breweries i guess that's one and growing and growing what's the account now 120 something last i heard was from the experts at south park brew who told us there was about 125 wow breweries right. so so well, basically we have 123 breweries to go in other words <laughs> that's right we have <laughs> we have anyway, our work cut out for us yeah so so yeah that's in a nutshell that's what we are we're just basically a uh, a group of uh, club members that just uh, like to you know kind of take flight and land in different breweries and, and create common uh, experiences i like to say that we're the everyday beer drinkers but i don't want people to think that we're total nah, alcoholics dude, we're not, yeah we're not alcoholics but at the same time we don't we're not um what do you call those guys not to say guys. that we drink every day we're just the everyday no. common beer drinker i would say yes i drink every day <laughs> but not beer <laughs> there you go <laughs> well Flight Club, you know, we're trying to do something different here in the community. One, one of the things that we really are trying to focus on is focusing on uh, how uh, breweries are actually impacting the community. So we like to get to talk to the owners and ask them about, you know, what the community members are saying uh, about the experience. And, you know, so far, I think from the people that we've talked to, we found out that breweries are actually making a great big impact on communities. You know, it's a great place for people to just come and hang out. Yeah, in a nutshell, it's, it is a. Um, it, it, I think I think the communities have embraced um, these microbrews or excuse me, these breweries in a sense because it's it's bringing. I wouldn't say because it's a big difference between a brewery in a, in a sports bar or a bar or a dive bar. You know, whether it's a bunch of foods just drinking, getting loud. It, it's, it's almost like a chill. It's like a chill spot. You hang out, and the majority of these breweries are not 21 and up. They're family. Family. Oriented, right? So you right. bring your kids, bring your grandmas, whatever, and you kind of just kick back, relax, have a few IPAs, and you're not here all night. You're here basically. The last time here. I was here, actually, my wife surprised me with my kids. 
I was yeah, just yeah. hanging out here, and she shows up, and I see my kids. I was like, hey, you know, yeah, you see that, and that's that's the difference between breweries and and just your your sports bar slash you know bars. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, it definitely uh, attracts the community, and, and I think I think there's there's definitely support. Um, I mean, shoot, that's why we have 125 breweries, so there's got to be something going, going, right? Yeah, I mean, that's probably from you know 5,400 years of uh, you know brewing. It, it kind of becomes like a, a thing to do. Nope. You know, very different from a bar experience. You know, I feel like you go to a bar and you go to meet people, maybe date, maybe, you know, it's a whole different feel. You yeah, come to a brewery to meet people, but not expecting anything really other than you, friendships, I think. You, you, you come to a brewery to kind of like taste the craft and kind of understand, like, oh, you know what? You, you go to a bar and you just want to get shit-faced. Or, excuse my language. No, you, just, you can. Well, you know you what I'm saying? Like, you go to a bar and you're, 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 you know, you're trying a bunch of different, the same beers over and over, margaritas, whatever. Here, you, you, you almost have, you want to experience and explore the new, the new crafts or the new, the new beers. And, and speaking of new crafts, um, I hear we've got a couple of new beers that we're going to be trying today. Yes. Some um, of these, uh, some, some interesting names behind them too. Yeah, it's always, you know, that thing that's one of my favorite things about actually going to breweries is finding out the stories behind each beer. Yep. Uh, and, you know, some some will surprise you. You know, sometimes they name a beer after somebody in the community doing something good. Sometimes they name it after a specific ingredient. Either way, it's always fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm actually looking at the, we'll call this the lineup, the opening roster for today's flight. And it looks like we have Abuelitas Chocolate Blood. Saison. Saison. Uh, baby Jeffrey and a Mayan triple? Yeah, triple. 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 Excuse me. Triple. <laughs> That's Harge. All right, anyways. But I'm really excited about the Baby Jeffrey because, um, well, no, the Mayan triple, actually. I'm excited like about all of them. The new Horchata Stout, which we don't have anymore. The Horchata Stout is no longer here. Oh, so what? Ask what happened to that? So they just stopped making well, it? Because I heard it. Well, they're awards. bottling it. Yeah, it's award-winning beer. They're bottling it. You know, I would just. Well, I guess we're gonna have a chance to talk to David and ask him. He's gonna yeah. be our, our guest uh, in a couple of minutes. Um, in the meanwhile, we want to invite you to pour your taste buds something new. Come visit Border X. Check them out. If you don't know where they're at, they're in Logan Heights. Uh, this is Samsung and Logan Avenue. Uh, right. I, I wouldn't say it's right in the heart of Logan. It's maybe like a block out of the heart. Uh, so yeah, about two blocks down from Chicano Park. It's pretty nice though. I, I think it, over the last few years you can kind of see the, you know, the uh, there's a lot of new establishments going around here. Um, San Luis across the street, and you have a couple other establishments around here that, that are uh, art rejuvenating. Galleries, right? A lot of ga- art galleries. Yeah, you're right. A lot of art galleries too. Yeah, I mean, it really seems like the neighborhood is changing. Um, you know, I've, I've been in San Diego my whole life, in and out of Logan, and, um, you know, it's definitely different than when it was in the 90s. Yep, yep. But, uh, yeah, look, look at this. Look who's coming up. It's Señor David Favila. Uh, Favila? Favela. Favela. See, you guys say it. Favela. Okay, so uh, we're going to go ahead and get Dave's. Let's get him mic'd up real quick. Dave, you're gonna have to put on the earphones so you can hear as well. Watch what? Watch the. Um, we call this the Border X terminal. All the flights land. Okay, you know what? I tried that at South Park. It was kind of funny, all right? <laughs> all right. Tough audience here. Hey, actually, I don't have an audience. Another some here. <laughs> I like to replay this when I'm actually drinking a few more beers later on. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always funnier the next day. Yeah, it is. Well, uh, thank you so much, uh, Dave, for having us. Uh, of course, always a pleasure to have you guys come in-house. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to be here. It's a fun place, uh, very community-oriented. So, um, Dave, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, uh, let everybody know who you are. Sure. Um, tell us a little bit about the uh, about Border X here and uh, you know maybe the reason why you started it. Sure. So, my name is David Favela. I'm one of the owners of Border X Brewing. Uh, it's really a family-run business. Uh was me, my brother, and his two sons. And the original objective was simply, let's start a business together so that we can work as family, because we're all leading the corporate you know, life and kind of pulls you in opposite directions. 
And um, so we got together and we said, well, let's do brewing because that's what the two nephews really loved the most. That was their passion. And, um, you know, we bit the bullet two years ago, two and a half years ago, because it takes a while to file for the license. We got an industrial site there in Otay Mesa and kicking around names. Well, you know, we're the southernmost brewery in the, probably the U.S. and right on the border. And I think um, we started settling on Frontera. And then we said Frontera X Brewing, but we never liked the sound of it. Yeah. And then finally we said, you know what, Border X Brewing, and uh, it stuck, and no regrets. Uh, it was a great name, and, uh, and you know, not only does it fit our physical location, but it actually uh, contains all the elements of who we are as a brewery. And, you know, the thing about us is we're about breaking down the barriers or the borders between tastes. Nice. So if you think about it, yeah, that was our whole thing. Is we said, you know what, we're Latinos, we have a Latino palate, but we're also Americans. And we grew up and, you know, got introduced to craft brewing. What would it be like if we mashed the two together? You know, what if we started brewing but really focusing on the Latino palate? Things that we grew up with, flavors that Latinos know and like, but, you know, make them in a beer. And we're not trying to make them identical. They're more inspired by yeah. certain drinks. So when you try our Blood Saison, you know, it tastes like a Jamaica water. When you taste an horchata, you know, it tastes it, like horchata. It does, it does, <laughs> yeah, but, it does. you know, it, it might not have the rice there. But yeah. we took certain elements that we really liked out of it. Awesome. And, you know, it's like a, you know, and so. We're looking for inspiration, and honestly, there's so many flavors in Latin America that we could do this for another 20 years yeah. and still have new recipes to come out with. Because, you know, one of the things that we say is that craft brewing isn't an elite sport or an elite competition. It's yeah, a luxury like that. that all of us can enjoy. Yeah. And um, and the important thing is that we see ourselves in the products, too. You know, when a lot of people come into this brewery, they go, oh, you know, I, I feel welcome here. This is my culture. This is my background. Yeah. This is what I grew up with. But it's not just for Latinos. You know, when others come in, and, you know, this is the thing about being a border city, is there are Americans born and raised here in the U.S. that love Mexican food, grew up with the real stuff, and are, you know, Latino in heart and stomach, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so when they taste that horchata, they're having that same experience of, like, oh, yeah, this is what I grew up with. And then there's like a third category that's never heard of horchata or blood or whatever. They taste it. They go, this is good. I don't know what the hell it is, but it's good. And uh, so we kind of fell into a very interesting kind of business proposal, business strategy. Um, but we're not looking back. Is I think, a great decision to make. You guys have been in business for, I know you guys were across the street for, what, yeah. a year? And you guys have been here, what, uh, another year? So two years? Roughly? Roughly. We've been in this spot in December will be a full year. So it's been about a year and a half here in uh, 2181 Logan Avenue. We were at 2196, which is across the street where Ernie um, Becerra has now Salud Tacos. And, you know, originally we started here, um, yeah, two years ago because it was a six-month lease that I signed on that spot. I mean, you guys got to put yourself in my position there was nothing on the street other than Logan Inn mm -hmm. and then a whole bunch of boarded up stores and, you know, and a long history or legacy of, you know, Barrio Logan was a tough neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. But what people don't realize, it's also a beautiful neighborhood with deep, deep Latino roots. And not just Latino, just roots all across the board. There used to, This was one of the most multi-ethnic communities back in the 30s and 20s and all of that. Uh, you know, we had the Cannery Row over here. Yeah. And it was a really vibrant community, but it went through that phase, and people stayed away from Barrio because, honestly, it got scary. And, um, you know, so when we came in here, we were like, okay, are we crazy? You know, my partners were looked at me and said, this is nuts. You know, what do you do? When you guys were scouting uh, locations for your uh, brewery, did you guys look at not just a buyer Logan that you guys look anywhere else besides you know honestly no no we had been open for three months we opened in uh, the original warehouse down in Otay Mesa oh. um, and then uh, Vos Altas uh, the curator of an art show down there said hey come on down bring a keg and check out the scene and I gotta share with you I had like a very mystical experience when I came down that night so I got a little bit lost and I came up here along uh, Samson right yeah. here 
And it was a dark, kind of foggy night. And I turned the corner and I saw the building that Salud is in right now. And it just was so beautiful and with the fog and there was a single light. And I go, man, that would be an excellent place for a tasting room. And then I drove back down uh-huh. the road and, you know, did the, the tasting at this art show. Had a great time. Um, people loved the beer. I, I was surprised by how vibrant the community was. I'd never been surrounded by that many creative Latinos and mm-hmm. right. other people who were just doing really interesting, cool stuff. And I was like, wow, I got to be part of this. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's something to mention, to, like to uh, people who have never been down here before, or maybe who haven't been here for a while. Um, you know, there's art everywhere here. Totally. I mean, and you can see it just on the walls here. Um, so let me describe a little bit of what I'm seeing here. I mean, we have some graffiti art all around us. Uh, we've got some custom piñatas. You had an event recently, right? Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that event? Oh, absolutely. We had a we call it a plethora of piñatas festival. And the idea was simply to take the medium of uh, piñatas, you know, paper mache, cardboard, that kind of structure, but challenge artists to make art pieces out of them. And an art piece is really, can be made out of anything, right? Um, But it needs to evoke an emotion, you know, nostalgia, fear, you know, whatever, you know, adoration. It needs to make you feel something and for it to be art. And so all that's you know so all these artists went off and took the medium piñatas and really created some incredible pieces wow. of, of art. I, I missed it, but I heard. Um, I mean, just just thinking about it, saw saw the the flyer and I was like, man, I would love to go check this out. Yeah. But um, did you guys take video by any chance or anything? You guys? Uh, well, we have a lot of photos. We have a few videos okay. we can definitely post up. And uh, I gotta tell you, my favorite piece was this gentleman who made uh, a life-size piñata. About the size of a human, but it was a Native American, and really well made. I mean, there was a bow and arrow, and he was hunting behind a boulder, so he made the boulder piñata. Wow. And then not only that, but he had like um, a camouflage in the form of a deer skin with horns on it. But everything was done meticulously in detail. Nothing oh. sloppy or wow. slapped together. It's like oh. I grabbed the the deer skin, and it was like it was like paper mache leather or something it was flexible wow. and had f- almost fur paper fur on it it's insane wow beautiful piece. now i want to see it and then, yeah. then, then we, we, we later this really good picture oh my god we later that? and you got another thing going on today right was it a jazz night oh yeah every thursday we're doing uh it's called caballero's ja- jam session and so bill caballero is a legendary latin jazz kind of uh trumpet trumpetist <laughs> something like that and uh he invites all his friends and different musicians on Thursday nights. And they just jam. And They're jamming right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, you hear that? I no. that's a great I can song. hear it. No. Okay, yeah, yeah, put some, add some of that background noise, man, so we can get some of our audience to be like, ooh. It's a great song, too. You know, we're reaching that time right about now where we should really start this, uh, try this first beer. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave, can you tell us a little bit about this first beer that we have here, the Maya uh, Chappell? Yeah, absolutely. So the Mayan Trapel is really inspired by the Mayan vanilla that we sourced. Um, give it a shot. We did it in uh, a Trapel style. Uh, it's 9% uh, ABV. It's got uh, vanilla in it. And kind of to balance out the sweetness, we put some cinnamon in it. So right at the end, you get a little bit of a, yeah, not a punch, but just a little bit of a balance to bring your palate back. Yeah. And uh, it's a wonderful beer. We just introduced it. Uh, I've got nothing but great reviews from it. Uh, it's not your, because it's a 9%er. I was just going to say that 9%. It doesn't taste like it, but it's one of those uh, sneaker uppers. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have a few pints of this, and you better get someone to drive you home. Yeah. It's got a. I heard it comes with a free Uber ride. I'm an Uber <laughs> rider. Yeah, <laughs> we should probably add that. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely taste that slightly spicy yeah. Uh, oh. end. Yeah, right no, at the is, end. This is yeah, good. I like it. It's got a, it's got a little spicy finish. You feel it right in the, the back. The color of your too is like it almost feels like a it looks like a brandy or something like a. Ah, totally. All right. We almost called it El Dorado, but uh, oh. decided to go with the ingredient. This is good. It's a fine art to naming beers. I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> That's one of our, our topics. Um, we like to get some sort of uh, history behind names of these, some of these beers. And um, my obviously, you kind of t- explained to us my Trapel, but I know I don't want to jump the gun, but this baby Jeffrey that you said it was a movie reference or something like that? It's a movie reference, and I wish I was in the circle of no. Uh, 
it, it, it's a movie referenced, in, and I don't even remember the movie because it's the Brewers who named the beer. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Okay. And uh, what it refers to apparently is that because it's a sour, you use a certain type of yeast. And when you use that yeast in a fermenter, it's extremely hard to get rid of that yeast. It's a, you know, a very hardy yeast. So once you've done a, a sour beer in that fermenter, that fermenter should be dedicated to oh, making wow. nothing but that okay. beer. And it's a, it's a great, it's a simple recipe, but it, it's a very refreshing, kind of tangy. Yes, without kind of being overly tangy, because some sours can kind of go over the top. Yeah. And um, we really like it. I, I, to me, it's reminiscent. It almost has that lime kind yeah, of citrus base. Yeah. There's no lime or, or anything in it. That's just p- purely coming from the yeast used in the right? fermentation process. But uh, Yeah, and it, I mean, as far as color, it's got this uh, pale kind of beige, uh, cloudy color. Exactly. Um, it, it's it's refreshing. That's yeah, that, that's my initial uh, takeaway from it. Yeah, like, it's I a could, summer I, drink. Totally, yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, someone said uh, I've never had a shandy, so I can't compare it to a shandy. But that's like a lemon-based really? beer from the East Coast. Oh, really? Um, you, you, you were. I've heard of it. You heard shandy. of it? Yeah, summer shandy. It's yeah. out there getting bottled. But this is our version, and um, you know, it is a 4.1 ABV, so it's not that powerful. It's not that, yeah. So you could have quite a few of those and still be in decent shape. Well, one thing that uh, to note about this beer is that it leaves the flavor on your lips. Mm-hmm. And I, I just realized that right now. You know, I, I took a sip, uh, wait, waited for a little while, it dried, and I could still taste it on my lips. And it tastes actually really nice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, know, George is still working over here on his Maya Trapel. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I... Um you know, execute it. George gets more talkative as the podcast goes, no. by the way. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> I'm a very social drinker. <laughs> social. All right, whatever. Well, um, Dave, can you tell us a little bit about the culture um, of the neighborhood here? You know, maybe for somebody who uh, maybe has heard of Logan, but it's never come down here. Yeah, you know, Logan is probably one of the most unique communities, I, I'd say, uh in the U.S., um, but specifically for Latinos, it's extremely unique community. And I've been here for a while, and been, as an outsider, I think I have a unique perspective because mm-hmm. I grew up in Escondido, and we have a good-sized Latino population there, yeah. but it never quite reached, like, critical mass. You know, um, in terms of the cultural um, creativity here, the artwork, the music, you know, all that stuff, and I always ask myself, why? Why is that? And here's my theory. So number one is one of the oldest, you know, Latino communities in the U.S. or California. I mean, outside of Los Tejanos and those yeah. New Mexicans who were yeah. there originally. But as far as like kind of recent immigrants, there was a huge influx of Mexican immigrants. And during the Revolutionary War, tons of refugees came here, called this place home. And but it, but that's also not entirely unique. There's a lot of communities like that. So that doesn't represent what's unique about it. The second phase that I think was super unique about it came like in, I believe it was 1974, when the community found itself under siege. You know, the freeways were coming in, uh, they were taking out entire neighborhoods. You know, that corner store that you used to go to your whole life is gone. Your neighbors you grew up with are gone. I mean, it was traumatic. And then they, you know, to top it off, they put in the Coronado Bridge, and that was a whole other chunk of the community was gone. So it's like, imagine being in that situation. And then to make matters even worse, city officials rezoned the whole community and invited industry in. So it wasn't just residential anymore. Now they had junkyards. And I mean, if you lived here, if you grew up here, there was an identity forged in crisis, you know? And that kind of uh, went off when uh, Chicano Park was formed. You know, because... uh, they looked at this and said, you know what, we haven't been very political as Latinos. We haven't you know, exerted our voice, our presence, because we're always felt like outsiders. But you know what, we've had it. We're yeah. not going to let you do this anymore. And the Chicano Park really established that voice. But here's the interesting twist. So they took over the park and created this you know, Chicano Park. But then they had all these concrete walls. And they were like, what the hell are we going to do with these pylons, you know? They're right in the middle of our park. They're the most dominant physical feature of the park. Yeah. And in Mexico, there's a long history of muralists. Yeah. 
So I said, oh, let's go do the, the murals. But here's what was very interesting is initially they gave everybody brushes and paint and the whole community just went out and just, you know, it was anarchy from what I heard. And I've seen some pictures. Imagine, you know, some of these pylons decorated with everything from signatures to Mickey Mouse to there was no rhyme or reason to no. any of it. It was just color and, and noise. No. And so organization was needed. It wasn't enough to allow the community just to go out and paint. And so certain people, you know, stood up and they they're still around here in the community. Right. And they said, No, 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 we gotta get more organized about this, we gotta produce quality. And so this leadership emerged during that time and that leadership spent you know, in the case of Salvador, um, you know, he spent his life working on this art form. And the interesting thing is they became the elders of the community. They became some of the most respected individuals in the community, these artists. Yeah. And that's the unique thing is not in every Latino community do you have a whole cohort of elders who were revolutionaries, who were artists, and who did whatever they wanted to do from an artistic yeah. platform without fear of being ridiculed, without fear of being seen as an outsider. It made art an integral part of the neighborhood, and uh, that's what makes the current generation of artists, the current generation of musicians in Barrio uh, be here. You know, If we didn't have that legacy, I I would say it would have been, it wouldn't have acquired that cultural richness that it has today, because there are hundreds of Latino communities from here to Bakersfield to Humboldt to whatever. And, you know, good people, hardworking people, but they never got that artistic, cultural aspect to them because it was never part of the, the fabric. Yeah, right. You know. Y- you, you pretty much just broke it down. I mean, there's a lot of information that I know. <laughs> I, no, I, I think this is awesome because um, there's probably people that don't even know the background, the history behind this whole um, uh, this community. And I, I know I read an article. Actually, I'm not sure if you actually posted on your Facebook, David, but... Uh, Actually, no, no, I think it was someone else. But it, it basically said that, that Barrio Logan is becoming the next North Park. And people were, like, outraged. Like, no, we're not going to be the next North Park. We're, exactly. I'm we like, we were there. No. Yeah, we're like, no. Yeah, so, but, um, um, no, that's that's actually pretty good insight, what you just gave us on, on the community. So thank you. You, you know, one, one thing to note uh, was that I, I've got several friends who are not from San Diego, Latinos. You know, they come and visit. And you know, giving them a tour, and sometimes the first thing they want to see is like, oh, I want to see Chicana Park. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's I think it's it's a landmark. It's a, a recognized landmark for San Diegans or for San Diego and anybody that. As a matter of fact, I was just talking to Mari right now. I was driving into um, I was driving into Border X, and I saw a bunch of people with cameras, mm-hmm. and it was it was uh, Keenan Allen, this Chargers uh, wide receiver. They're doing a video. On, I guess he's doing some sort of a, a collaboration with Under Armour. Because I saw him on his Instagram post mm-hmm. saying, oh, you know, whatever, stay tuned. And I saw him. He's walking underneath the bridge. He's got the whole, you know, uh, Chicano Park in the background. Because that represents San Diego. Everyone that, that knows San Diego, yeah. they, they can they can connect dots and be like, hey, that's San Diego right there. Yeah, I think sometimes for a lot of people who uh, live down here, take it for granted, you know. Um, you know, but but really, in in any college who teaches Chicano studies, Chicano Park is a is a foundation course. You know, like you learn about the struggle and the history, and you know, it, and it's really great to see that uh, just Logan in general seems to have taken this new life. Yeah. You know, I, I was around in the 90s here, and you know, I saw how uh, you know there was a lot of homelessness around too, and you know there was a lot of uh, crime and you know it just had a really bad reputation but if you look at Logan now compared to what it was 20 years ago it's completely different yeah. it still has the same heart and the same spirit yeah, exactly. spirit but you know I have friends um, at the last event that we had uh, here uh, during Chicano Park where we I brought him uh, invited him here to lo- uh, to Logan they looked around they're like holy smack like I don't remember Logan looking like this yeah yeah well I had a, I had someone even like recently in the last two weeks like Oh, I'm gonna go to the hood now, and like I was watching on their Snapchat. I just follow them, you know, through <laughs> other channels, and they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna go to the hood," and then like I realized that they were going to Barrio Logan, and I was like, "It's not the hood, like <laughs> no. this is not the hood, you know, at all." No. And uh, they actually went up to um, Salud, which is across the street, mm. and I was trying to tell them to come to Border X because they're like beer fans, and they didn't get a chance to go, but it was like. I want to like follow up with them and be like, did you really think it was the hood? Because if you went to Salud, that's definitely not even close to being 
anything hood like what he thought of what logan was or what it used to be is definitely not what it is now no yeah, not know? at all even i mean but it still has the history if it was a hood there'd know? be a lot more uh <laughs> bars on the walls and the windows yeah. you know yeah no it's but completely it, different so for, for those of you who haven't been here in a while, give Logan a second chance. Come check it out. Come uh, visit Border X. They're on the corner of Logan and um, Samson. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're at about the time, and we should be trying our third beer here. Yes, yes. Um, George, what do we have for our third beer? Uh, the third is the Blood Saison. Excuse me. Sorry, it's because I already had two beers. Dave, what can you tell us about the Blood Saison besides it having a 6.5 alcohol by volume? Yeah, you know, this one was probably our first beer that really embodied where we were going as a brewery. You know, we took one of the most popular drinks in the Latino Mexican community, which is called Jamaica which is based out of, you know, hibiscus flowers. And if you've ever had real Jamaica, you know that it's deep, deep red. It's very tart. And you can add some sugar to it, but generally it's more tart than sugary sweet. And um, it's, you know, s- something that people grew up with. And we tried brewing with it. And, and it's here's a real good example of how we, th- we think our brewing is different than any other brewery in San Diego is that there are breweries that do use some hibiscus, right? And, uh, you know, I think Aztec Brewery has a great beer. Um, I think a summer, uh, a wheat, Hefeweizen, and they put a little bit of hibiscus in there, and it's, it's a good beer. Um, but to us, it's not a Jamaica beer. And so we went big with the hibiscus flowers. We went big with the flavor, and this was the result. And it came off as a, a slightly sweet you know, because we use agave as a agave nectar as a sweetener, oh, wow. which is natural, you know, not not sugar, and then um, and then we add in a ton of hibiscus flowers, and that's what I mean about brewing for the Latino palate, because we know what Jamaica is, we know how it should be, and we want our beers to be inspired and reflect some of those characteristics, and so what you end up is you've got the agave nectar providing a nice kind of initially sweet. Almost some people compare it to sangria start, mm-hmm. but then it gets kind of tart there towards the middle and end, and that's really the hibiscus flowers kicking in. It's got some nice citric acid, uh, some vitamin C, so if you feel <laughs> like you're getting a cold, this is a great beer. <laughs> I'll make sure I'll buy some of this or get some of this. <laughs> Even before you mentioned there was hibiscus in here, um, when I smelled it, the oh, first yeah. essence that I got was a flowery smell. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, the tartiness is, is, is a nice, it's got a good balance. It's not too tart. It's it's sweet, but has that little uh, <laughs> bit of a tarty aftertaste to it. Exactly. Exactly. Definitely different. Yeah. And this, be, this frankly, became our first home run. I mean, I think we introduced it when we were just across the street, and people went crazy for it. I mean, no. literally. It, it's still today probably our biggest seller. Really? Uh, we've begun to distribute it to limited distribution across San Diego. On, on, on that quick, no, mm-hmm. not to interrupt you, I saw sure. that you're you're starting to bottle your your beers. And, yes, we and, are. And uh, you're selling them. When you say local distribution, are you talking about just other breweries, or is it just other st- convenience stores? What, what, what exactly is? No, so the bottles are only available here through Border okay. X, and so you can just ask a bartender and buy a 22 ounce. Sir. Oh, I see. Okay. And then uh, the kegs are what we sell outside. Oh, I see. I see. So right now you can find us at. Um, Woodstock Pizzas, Sushi Deli, uh, The Lot, which is the luxury movie theater on Liberty Station, and uh, Rose's Tasting Room in Old Town. Nice. And, you know, honestly, we we don't have a distribution strategy. We we're, That's not the market we're chasing. You know, a lot of breweries get started, and they're like, yeah, we're just going to slam the bars and the, you know, the restaurants with our beer, and that's great. But it only works when you're selling a ton of beer. No, that's true. It's a volume game. You know, because you're not making a lot of money off of each keg. And then if you sign a distribution contract, you're making even less. Can, can anyone just buy a keg from you as well? Or Absolutely. Really? Just put a call in to make sure we have it on tap or have it available. And you can purchase, put a deposit down and take your beer home. See, I didn't know that. That's a, good to know. So on my yeah. next party, it's on. Exactly. Yeah, this is definitely a kind of beer that you could drink like any day. No, that's that's the one I had at the uh, Paella. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, it was perfect. The Paella uh, Food it, it, and Wine Festival? Yeah, it was awesome. It was the first time my wife took me 
And uh, I, I didn't know because I'm not really a wine drinker. My wife is, obviously. So I went in there thinking, oh, I'll just, you know, kind of like walk around and, you know, whatever. But then they had a bunch of like little beer spots as well. And that's one of them. I, it's kind of funny because I was walking towards to get my wife some water because she was feeling a little more tipsy. Sorry, babe. Threw you out there or whatever. And I was walking. I just, I didn't, there's not a big sign or anything. It just had border racks on, on the, uh, on the uh, cooler. So I'm like, hey, I remember that. So I went over there. And I, I just kept drinking the same one. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to oh, be yeah. here for a minute. Well, you know, speaking of wine, um, this actually reminds me a little bit of a wine. Yeah. It's got, it, it's, yeah. 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 It, Is that it, probably it, why you guys picked it to be at the uh, wine? And oh, Paella? totally. Yeah, right. it, it, you know, if I were to pick the perfect pairing for this, paella is like perfect. I mean, because yeah. one, because it, it's got the flavors and you need a, a tart kind of crisp cleansing of the palate. Mm. So this beer is perfect for the paella. But traditionally, sangria goes with paella, too. And this is a very sangria-like yeah. beer. I mean, it's different, but it's sangria-like. Yeah. And it's just, I think, uh, it's like peanut butter and jelly or cookies and milk. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very good. light, too. I mean, th- mm-hmm. th- this seems like a perfect summer complement to any hot night where you just want to enjoy a beer. Absolutely. Uh, I would definitely recommend this beer. Yeah. Absolutely. The only thing I'd say at 6.5% alcohol... It's a little higher than your average sessionable. What is this? Is six point five? Yeah, six point five. So it can, it can sneak up on you too. <laughs> so you said that this is one of the, your, your top sellers right now? Top seller right now, still has been since the day we really went since the day we introduced it. Is that primarily from um, the customers coming in, or from what uh, people you're distributing to are telling you, or everything? Uh, it's just very, very positive feedback. Everybody loves this beer. It's number one is there's nothing like it in the market today that I'm aware of at least you no. know being offered by any brewery anywhere so we kind of created our own little category um, and it's such a unique beer profile you know it's not super sour like some of the more exotic you know traditionally made beers um, and it's not doesn't have like those hoppy notes because you know honestly there's a lot of people who are new to craft beer and that was one of the things when we came right. in is we're like we're going into a community. When, where people are walking in, and this happened a lot at the beginning, and they're like, hey, do you have Tecate there? you have Corona? you have this? And we're like, no, but try this. Yeah. <laughs> and they have it, and they're like, holy smokes, yeah, yeah. this is good. You can curse. It's yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, what we're trying we're, to do, I think, like, with, I don't know if you guys can hear me. No, I can't. Okay, here. Yeah, kind of with the club, you know, like, ex, you know, exposing people that are not used to drinking craft beer it's the an different styles. It's an introduction yeah. to craft beer. Cause I, yeah. I, and I think I said this in the last podcast. I, I was I was more of a lager straight, yeah. you know, Or modelo. IPA. Yeah. I mean, San Diego's known for IPA, right? Yeah. But they don't know about saisons and Well, even stouts, when you, even IPAs, like, like I, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about beer, and they're saying, you know what? I'm tired of San Diego beer. It's just too hoppy, you know? And, um, and yeah, sometimes you like to have that hop taste, but you know, like I think having the ability to provide a variety of different flavors yeah. is very important yeah. for for you know reaching as many people as possible. There's just some people who are not gonna like strong IPAs or just anything that's too hoppy or too sour. I have a lot of my compadres that that uh, I actually I just went to a Potter game, and my compadres like one of those guys that just doesn't doesn't dig the whole dark beer. He's like, no, I can't drink this because it's gonna get me all jacked up. And I let him have some of your. Uh, Saison, uh, yeah, uh, the, not yeah, the one at the blood saison. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if you remember this, but we we're at the Paella place, and you actually love this beer. And he's like, what? Really? This is the one? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh man, this is actually pretty good. I'm like, dude, sometimes you got to explore. You know, you think it, it, everyone thinks it's got this whole mindset that when you're drinking craft beer, it's very strong, and you can. No, it's just it's it's well crafted. It's not your, you know, mass consumption straight. Miller Lite type of deal, you know. This is actually stuff that you want to just well, chill. Well, it, you know, speaking of which, I it seems to me like it'd be also as far as far as um, your perception, Dave. I, you must be really. It must make you feel really good to see somebody who maybe has never had a craft beer and tastes something new and likes it. Yeah. Are you, know, you kidding? <laughs> it, it feeds my soul every day. I mean, <laughs> I'd never considered myself a salesperson, but when I began to see that effect, where it's like. You know, someone says, oh, I'm here with my boyfriend or I'm here with my girlfriend. I don't drink beer or whatever. I go, wait a second. Try this. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and they try it and it, it, you see their eyes literally widen and they're like, wow, this is good. I didn't know beer could taste like this. Right. It's like, yeah, it can. It can be a lot of different things. I, I, I think just that, 
in general, when you're when you're drinking, a, you know, like the Budweisers and all the, you know, it, they all kind of taste the same. Hey, it's I, a, it's I a beer, so too, yeah. right? I mean, some of our it's made to appeal to a mass audience. Yeah, it's it, and with craft beer, you have a whole different genre, a whole, I mean, a whole different uh, taste spectrum. spectrum. Exactly. It's a, it's not. I mean, some of these beers, some might not be. I mean, I, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of all some of the, some of all the beers. You know, they might have a different taste to what I'm, what I'm accustomed to. But in general, they, some of these beers are just totally different than your your standard uh, beer right. you find. In the Absolutely. Store. Well, Speaking of the customers, uh, Dave, who is your ideal customer? Who are the people mm-hmm. that come through the door that you just say, yes, that's that's the, the customer for me? Uh, George. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's really interesting. Um, we spent a little bit of time, you know, doing traditional market segmentation and going, here's this customer and that customer and this other one. And, you know, surprisingly enough, we saw that there, we had this category called beer aficionados. And these are people in the industry, knew all the different types of beers, and just loved it. And, you know, honestly, they've been the heart and soul of the craft beer movement because they're very loyal. They go out of their way to go to breweries, and they're that's really their thing. You know, they're beer aficionados. And you guys all know what that looks like. You have some friends, I'm sure, that are in that category. Right. Um, But we weren't catering to them. They, They still love our beer, but that's not the audience we were going after. You know, we're in we're out there in the middle of Otai, right? Middle of nowhere. Yeah. And we said, you know what, in South Bay, you know, there were one or two breweries operating down there, but there was actually a very small craft scene. Now it's blown up. There's all That's, kinds of stuff going yeah, there's, on. There's um, three punks ale coming out of Chula Vista and also uh exactly. their, their third avenue L house, which is more and of a tasting room. Bay Bridge and, Bay Bridge, and right. Machete yeah, and Machete National City. Yep. So there, there's a there's a nice little pocket of, of new uh, breweries popping up. There was a small one actually near us called Mad Labs. I only got out there once before they moved out. Yeah. Where are they at now? Do you know where they're at? I think, you know, I think he's still closed? brewing, but it's more of a home thing than commercial. Oh, it's, you know, starting a brewery is a hard thing. I think he was the only owner. And much, much respect because that is hard work. Yeah, Make no. the beer, market the beer, deliver the beer, you know, yeah, yeah. is hard work. So Having partners, good partners oh. must be very you know, essential, at least for somebody uh, starting out of the business. Absolutely. Having partners, resources, contacts, it's a make it or break it. But uh, So we were down there in the middle of nowhere, and we said, you know what, who are we making beers for? We're making beers for people uh, from the area, predominantly Latino, um, who are new to craft beer. So we didn't make, for example, a big West Coast IPA initially. I mean, it's just, why would we? I mean, it's a very specialized palate to go from Tecate or, you know, Corona and all of a sudden jump to a, a double, triple IPA. That's just not, I mean, some people do that, but not the majority of people. No. They <laughs> right. taste that They taste that, and they go, oh, my God, that is horrendous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, again, that's what, it, that's what influenced the style of beers. And, in fact, the I'll tell you the interesting story. The big first home run beer that we had was actually a beer we called Abuelos Pale Ale. We don't have it right now. Oh, that's, it's a very seasonal that's, beer. Uh, David's. Or no. Uh, uh, Cisco's dad. Yeah. Yeah, his yeah. car is called Abuelos. Abuelo. But you yeah. know where the name comes from was actually from uh, my father, my nephew's grandfather, grew the hops locally. Oh, I see. I see. In his backyard, we got a couple of bushel, bushels of hops out of that garden. And we dry hopped that first pale ale, and it was delicious. It was an epiphany. It was like one of those things where you're like, oh, my God, I couldn't, I didn't know beer could be this good. Really? Um, yeah, it was very citrusy, I, I, I've had it. I had it. It's actually, I remember that. Because, yeah. well, the whole connection with David Aguilar. Yeah. David, that's his name. Exactly. Tokayo, right? Yeah. Um, I, I thought, for some reason, you know, you always do like a... A, a, a name that kind of has a history. I thought it was had to do with David Aguilar's car or something. <laughs> so I that was came like, afterwards, oh, though. That's really? a good catch. That's a good connection. Good connection. Yeah, but, that's uh, awesome. That was our first beer. It's delicious. Uh, it's limited, though, because it's based on how many hops my dad can grow. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, so when's the next batch? It's actually coming up in July. August time frame is when All the right, harvest we'll, comes we'll in. We'll definitely make a landing then. In fact, if then. you look behind you right now. Which one? Oh, he's talking about El Abuelo. El Abuelo. Abuelo's Pale Ale. Pale Ale. In fact, I was just saying, if you look behind you right now, that's a hop 
plant right there. Oh, oh that's And so hopefully we'll get that trained up here on the trellis, and maybe it'll give us a bushel or two of uh, fresh hops that we can take. Because that's the thing. Uh, the fresher the hops, the what time of day you pick them in the garden, how fast you take them from plant to brewing has a huge impact. And so getting fresh hops like that where you pick them in the morning and you're brewing by the afternoon really imparts you know the essential oils the aromas it's 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 a whole different ball game because most hops today are coming from different parts of the world and they get you know crushed into little pellets or you know in different forms they're processed dried and processed they're still good but let's call it they're 90 percent of what they used to be Mm -hmm. when you get them fresh off a vine they're 110 percent of what they are david were you ever like a a, when you got into actual uh beers or breweries <laughs> Were you a home brewer at all? Did you do your own beers at home or something, or is it just you just small stuff? You say your I, nephews were the ones that nephews were the one oh. with the passion. Okay. Uh, I actually went to college with a guy who brewed beer. Remember, I moved into this house and I opened up a closet, and there's all these giant uh, what do you call them growlers? You thought, was, you thought it was a meth lab or something? Kind of. Yeah, it looked like a bunch of chemicals in there. But it was dark brown bottles, and I'm like, what is this? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm brewing beer. And I'm like, all right, I'm down. <laughs> You're like, yeah, <laughs> I like you already. <laughs> Let's do this. We are, we are at the 45-minute mark now. Oh, shit. Um, we are moving on to the next beer. Last beer. Uh, Dave, what can you tell me about this next beer? What's it called? What's Abuelitas up? Chocolate Stout. All right, so we saved the darkest Adelitas for last. Cho- oh, Abuelitas. Abuelitas. <laughs> So, <laughs> can we edit that or? George has got a smile from ear to ear right now. <laughs> it's catching up to him. <laughs> no, abuelitas. No, it's good. So give us a, ah. give us a little background on abuelitas. Very smooth. So abuelitas is actually inspired by abuelitas chocolate. You know the oh. stuff that comes in the yellow package. Yeah. And you know, as a kid growing up, if you know you're looking for something sweet, you'll get in the cupboard and. Like, all right, I'll you take know, off a little sweet. You, you, you want something to warm up to. All those cold nights. Yeah, well, but. well, there's, yeah, that's when you make it chocolate. That's true. That's true. When you're being really, uh, what's the right word? Basic, I guess. You're breaking off a chunk. That's and you're right. Like, that's right. Yeah. You're like using your teeth, you know, if to you grind that stuff If you don't manage bad. to break a tooth in the process. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's, 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 I think that's actually pretty awesome. That this, uh, no, and you can really taste it. Like, it's authentic. No. This, yeah. This, yeah. This, I would say that this is a very authentic taste to what the ingredient is. Exactly. Yeah. The relationship between the beer yeah, and the original. And that's because we, uh, we use Abuelita's chocolate. I mean, we... Was that right? Yeah, we buy boxes and boxes of that stuff, grind it down, put it in there in the fermenter and... My abuelita would drink this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, that's the funniest thing. Um, my mother and my father drink craft beer, and they usually want a growler of abuelos paleo or abuelitas or probably the the baby Jeffrey is probably their top three. Wow. And she'd say, oh, mijo, es que me cae también. And you should rub her stomach, and it does, you know. A good natural craft beer is a good, I don't know if I'd say healthy, but... A, a good thing, you know, not the bottled or right. canned stuff coming yeah. from, you know, some of the bigger brewers that we know. Well, it definitely puts you in touch with, you know, the community, I feel, because a lot of the people who, you know, made this beer are mm-hmm. local. Totally. You know, a lot of local ingredients. A, a lot went into building this beer, so and creating this beer. So when you're drinking it, you kind of feel like you're tapping into that. And that's how it should be. No. Exactly. All right. And I think that's definitely what makes breweries yeah. something very different from what a bar is. Exactly. And yeah, the bar and we, has no soul. <laughs> pretty much. We ta- we touched on that, that the difference between, you know, an establishment like this where families can come here with their kids. Yeah. You know, you, you, I, I love, I don't know if you guys have, I'm going to describe. So what this, what Marco described earlier was the outside, the back of, of Border X. So you have the front, when you that's where the bar is at. But the back is you have a bunch of benches, wooden benches and whatnot. But you have a, a couple of games. You have a huge um, wall where you can actually uh, chalk it up with some, you know, whatever. Yeah, you invite anybody, grab um, chalk and draw something it's, on the wall. You know, you got a couple of kids actually, well, you know, playing. What's that? That's that. What's that game? We the. What do you call it? Cornhole. Cornhole. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. cornhole. There you go. Yeah. Sorry, I don't. Well, you know, one thing to notice uh, about the brand actually, um, the logo. The logo definitely stands out. I was you know. I was gonna ask him about that. Um, it was uh, it was featured on on. They gave uh, you guys a grade. Yeah. I remember I saw it and I was like, hey. 
I know Border X, and and <laughs> and I I didn't realize that the actual logo obviously it's a hop, and then you have the skeleton going. Can you tell us a little bit Absolutely. about the whole history behind this? And, th- and this I think goes to a very interesting concept that we have, and the reason we like our name, Border X, is uh, our initial marketing kind of manager. Um, lived in Playas de Tijuana, grew up in Playas de Tijuana. It was a Tijuanense. And he was working on his bachelor's degree at SDSU. So he was like this very stereotypical son or child of the border, you know, living on both sides. And now he's in New York doing, you know, some more marketing and advertising. But but he's also a street artist. So he had like that kind of cutting edge uh, sensibility to his artwork and design. And so we went through a couple sessions, and where we ended up, we just love. And we got an excellent review on the the logo branding. The only thing it said is maybe make the lettering or the font a and little we, bit we more. We talked about that, Hawk, and maybe because I, I remember on, on the shirt that we did design for our la- launch, um, I put Border X Brewing on top, and then sent, at the bottom I put San Diego, San Diego or something like yeah. that. Just because that way, it, it, right now it's split up, but I mean, the, the actual logo itself, it's well executed. Well, if I could describe the logo, I mean, it's a, it's a skull. Is that a Mayan or Aztec skull? No, you know, if you get the uh, Aztec calendar and open it up and look right in the center, there's right. a character with the tongue out, with oh. the earrings, and... Yeah. And that's, and everything. that's pr- pretty much how I end up every night after drinking a few beers anyway. <laughs> so it's a one <laughs> But okay, so 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 it's a skull. Yeah. But um, it's got the skull's head is like is it's, like it's a, a, hop. A, a, it's a hop. It's a hop. It's a hop, right? It's a so, crown hop. Uh, the crown from a hop. Yeah, it's like once you see it, you'll know what we're talking about. So well, maybe you could tell us about the website or anywhere online. Where can people find this logo and check it out? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to borderxbrewing.com. And you can find all the information on the beers that we've been drinking today, more detail. Um, you can find out about our location. We have a lot of pictures of everything going on. But if you really want to be in the day-to-day, like what's happening at Border X this weekend or tomorrow, go to our Facebook page, Border X Brewing, and uh, you'll find us there. And it lists you know, all the events and activities over the next you know, quite a few months. In fact, we have a thing coming up called ChicanoCon next month. Wow. That's going to be just, I promise, it's the second year we've done it, and it's going to be super interesting. Last year, just to give you a feel, we had Guillermo del Toro, the director, cruise through here on Sunday. So we're hoping that... Is this going to be a three-day event thing, or is it just going to be one-nighter? We're probably going to do a Friday night industry night, so inviting people. One of the things uh, we do with ChicanoCon is we want to sponsor the independent artist, publisher, writer uh, from the comic book industry with a Latino voice because we don't think that that's being heard enough. So we'll have an industry night on Friday. On Saturday all day, we are working with a Hollywood studio. We got sponsorship this year. And as soon as I uh, finalize that contract, I'll announce it. But we'll be doing some work with them to help sponsor ChicanoCon. So, that sounds amazing. I yeah. can't believe Comic Con's already next month. I'm All right, guys. So you heard it here first. Um, you know, next time, <laughs> next time you're gonna be in the area or you got something that you want to plan, this is gonna be fun and exciting. Come check out Border X. Um, you know, you'll get to obviously experience a lot of culture, some history, and you know, you're gonna get to taste like, a lot of beers that you're not gonna find anywhere Very else. Very good beers. So actually, you know, the last question that I have for you, Dave, before we wrap up, is, what do you drink? <laughs> What's your favorite? My favorite beer, it depends on how hot it is and the mood I'm in, but uh, I have to say I was drinking the Baby Jeffrey when it was really hot. It was just like the perfect beer to just sip. Um, today it's a little overcast, a little cloudy, and I've been drinking the uh, the Mayan Trapel, and it's awesome pretty much all day. But i got to be careful. Not too much of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dave, we want to uh, give you a sincere thank you for uh, letting us be here. And, uh, I, I want to say something real quick. D- David and Borderax are going to be pretty much uh, carved in our DNA for right. our flight club because they were the ones that basically gave us the platform to actually launch. Um, I reached out to David uh, through Ruben Torres. I says, Shout I, out I, to our friend Ruben Torres. Yeah, Ruben Torres, right? And uh, nothing but love. David has been easy to work with, humble guy. I mean, the guy just gave us open doors, uh, gave gave us a very welcoming uh, uh, collaboration to work with with his company here, Border X. And I just want to say thank you personally. Uh, so it, no matter what, 
Water X is always going to be one of those uh, places that we're always going to remember, right? Yeah, we don't know what this is going to take. I mean, we might not end up not doing a more podcast after this one. You never know. No, we're doing another <laughs> one. I, I'll speak to the dream. Yeah, no, I'm just playing. But no, no yeah, it's we'll, awesome. We'll be your home base here, your hub. Yeah, we, we, you that's what we call it. anywhere else you want to go. We're, we're, we're the, this is the the, uh, the home terminal, we called it. The, the home yeah. terminal. Regardless, this is going to be where we can meet up or whatever. So, no, that's cool, man. Okay, so, um, Dave, we know how to find you online now. Yep. We know what to come and what you recommend for people to try. Is there any last words that you want to give? Um, I would just say, you know, take a look at our events calendar. We've always got great things uh, on board. We're always hosting really cool events. And, yeah, come down to uh, one of those, and you'll have an experience that you won't soon forget. And I think it's going to be an experience that you won't find anywhere else in San Diego or maybe the U.S. for that matter. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much, David. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining the San Diego Hoppy Hour. We're going to go ahead and uh, continue in just a second. Um, thank you so much, David. Thank you, everybody. Love you. Thank you, man. All right. As we shake hands here, thank you so much. It's funny. We didn't even talk about his uh, his food establishment. He's got a, I guess he's got a new. Uh, There's always the next podcast. No, I'm just saying in general, like what, what, what kind I of. I mean, if you're have. hungry and you want some beer, come here. Yeah, right. No, yeah, actually, uh, the first time we came, kitchen, uh, I don't even think it was open. No, they had no. food trucks when I was we, here. We the actually used time. our kitchen <laughs> for our <laughs> membership for our member yeah, sign up. Yeah, that so was that, awesome. They kept, I, I don't know how about you guys, but I got a bunch of, excuse me, can I get this? <laughs> uh, can I get some french fries? I'm like, ah, I don't. I must say that the jazz tonight is on point. Really? I am going to come back so, next so, week. So you're about four beers in and you're saying no, jazz? I'm a four flights in. Oh, four flights. Well, it's even worse. She was here first. Get a, no, four little teaster flights. Yeah, but some of these are... I'm good. You're good? All right. All right, guys. Well, one thing we definitely want to uh, say here before we start closing up is, you know, um, if you want to support the San Diego Flight Club, we invite you to visit our website, sdcaflightclub.com. There you can go ahead and you can sign up for our newsletter so you can know what events we're going to be at next. Uh, you could also support us by buying a shirt. Uh, buying a shirt grants you membership to the San Diego yeah, Flight we, Club. We basically just added that feature. Um, so n- right next to the become a member, there's a support SDCCA, SDCAFC. And it's going to take you to just basically our membership T-shirts that we have from our events. And those basically, if you purchase one of those T-shirts, you become a, a, an instant member. So you get. What a, does it mean to be a member? Do you get discounts? Or? No, it depends well, yeah. on the brewery. Yeah. Um, but one thing for sure is that when you show up to an event with us and everybody's wearing their shirt and you're wearing your shirt, I mean, you, you definitely have that sense of belonging. You know, you're at home. Uh, and, and very often, depending on the brewery, depending, you know, on how well they know us, yeah, we do get a discount by right. wearing our shirt. I, I, well, I think the hope it, is to then when people start wearing them that people will spark conversations and exactly. find these common things that they have in common. I mean, yeah, one of common my, things common. Uh, one of my I, friends was actually telling me he was down in San Ysidro and he saw somebody walking around wearing a, a flight club shirt. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of cool. It's a conversation starter. I think that was my mom. <laughs> <laughs> She's a member. <laughs> Mom, Which mom we, supports, dude. She supports. Women's you know. shirts coming soon. Oh, that, I, actually, uh, that's going to be our next... Uh, <laughs> after, we, after we finish our podcast, we're going to go ahead and, and, and strategically plan our next uh, event. And I think one of the things that we're going to bring up is is merchandising our, our female audience with um, uh, an actual style that that so there's just so many different styles you got scoops you got v-necks deep v-necks long sleeves and all so i, I may like have to those ask like soft hoodies so have soft hoodies we could do soft hoodies too so <laughs> but yeah so that's awesome that's good cool oh i must mention the wall here the graffiti wall it's basically if you it's have a piece of chalk you can write anything on the border x wall you guys see that big ali yeah. Muhammad Ali, peace on the left. Yeah. I remember when we came here after the uh, Chargers kickoff event and there was a website, sign, up, sign for San Diego, written on the wall right. by someone. I don't know who. Was it me? <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's an expression piece. You know, 
whatever's going on, you can write it and um, expression, mood, whatever. You, There's whatever some you X-rated out. stuff over there. See really? on that side. You oh, see yeah. that? Oh yeah. <laughs> that but doesn't look like any hot. You, you know, you know. They say that that uh, you know you, you see what you want to see, Marty. Oh my God! <laughs> you're right. that's, that's just a cactus. <laughs> I don't know what you're seeing, Marty. I'm about to talk to your husband about oh that. Oh, my God, Lord Jesus. <laughs> All right, guys, so we only have a few <laughs> minutes. Is there any last words you guys want to say, um, you know, anything special? Thanks you wanna... for listening. I do appreciate it. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, thanks for supporting at the same time. Yeah, Yeah, and we, we, look, we look forward it. to having you guys uh, listen to our next podcast. But more importantly, you know, come out and join us. You know, keep in touch. Sign up for a newsletter. Find out where our next event is going to be at. and Subscribe to our events on Facebook. That's yeah, right. subscribe, and we'd love to have you. All right, guys, that brings our show to a conclusion. Thank you for joining the San Diego Flight Club Hoppy Hour.